Well, it was Friday morning, and a young businessman finally decided to ask his boss for a raise. Before leaving work, he told his wife what he was about to do. All day long, he felt nervous and apprehensive. Finally, late in the afternoon, he summoned up the courage to approach his employer, and to his delight, the boss agreed to the raise. The elated husband arrived home to a beautiful table set with their best china and lighted candles, the smelling of a festive meal in the air. He figured that someone from the office had called his wife and tipped her off. Finding her in the kitchen, he eagerly shared the details of his good news. They embraced and danced around the room before sitting down to this wonderful meal that his wife had prepared. Next to his plate, he found an artistically lettered note that read, Congratulations, darling. I knew you'd get the raise. This dinner is to show how much I love you. Later on, as they went into the kitchen to help his wife serve dessert, he noticed that a second card had fallen from her pocket. Picking it up off the floor, he read, Don't worry about not getting the raise. You deserve it anyway. This dinner is to show how much I love you. You see, total acceptance, total love, she showed that to him no matter what, softening the blows, healing the wounds, believing in him. We can be rejected by so many if we're loved by one. We all long to be loved with real love, with life-giving love. We all want to experience love. Not the fleeting emotion of love, but true, sacrificial, building the other up type of love. Today I want to talk about real love. As we gather together on this amazing Resurrection Sunday, today I want to talk with you about the real love of Jesus Christ. One of our great struggles in our society is, is having is over the definition of real love. For the most part, love has been defined simply as a feeling. Love is affection. Love is a positive emotion that swells up inside of us. Love grows and wanes. Love comes at first sight and leaves at first fight. Love is fickle and inconsistent. Our traditional marriage vow says that we will love them from this day forward until death do us part. Those words that we say, but so more often end like, we will love them from this day forward until love does us part. See, love is romantic and positive and a self-affirming feeling. And when the feeling is gone, the love is gone. Is that real love? Is that real love? No. You know, real love is so much stronger. Real love is so much more beautiful. Real love is so much more honest than that. Real love is more than a feeling. It is a commitment. Real love is more than a desire. It is a decision. Real love is more than an emotion. It is a choice. Real love is self-sacrificing and giving, even in the face of selfishness and hurt. Real love is patient and kind, even in the face of envy or pride. Real love is strong in the face of problems. Real love is not something you fall into. It is something that you build. Real love is purposeful commitment for the action of another. Real love for us is often very hard to do. For us, real love takes determined effort and a persistent focus. Real love doesn't come to us naturally. It's not an innate part of of human character, but it does come to God naturally. 
Real love is an innate part of God's character. As a matter of fact, 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. Real love is the very essence of God's being. Everything he does, he does in love because God is love. If you want to know real love then, then we must go to God who is real love and to see what he did. What can we learn about real love from Jesus? Well, today we're going to look at four ways that Jesus showed us real love. Jesus showed us real love by his amazing incarnation. John 3:16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 1 John 4.9 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. God's love was made manifest among us. God's love was made evident. God's love was made obvious and visible and tangible. How? How was God's love made manifest? By his son. He sent his son into the world. He gave to us his son, Jesus. Why? So that we could have eternal life and so that we might live our daily lives through him. You see, when we were conceived and born, that's when our life began. But that was not true of Jesus. When Jesus was born, he already existed. As a matter of fact, before Jesus was named Jesus... His name was simply the Son, because Jesus is the second person of the eternal trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It was God's plan from all of eternity to send his Son into our world. The scriptures tell us that before the foundation of the world were set in place by God, he had already planned to send his Son into the world to save us. He knew Adam and Eve were going to rebel against him. He knew that mankind would alienate themselves from him. He knew that mankind would choose sin rather than choose him. Did God say, why bother? Why bother loving such a self-centered, sin-soaked people? You know, that thought never entered his mind. Never once. No, he said, I will show them real love. I will give them my son. I will give them the most precious part of me. You see, John 3.17 says that God didn't send the world, Jesus into the world to condemn us, but he sent Jesus into the world so that we might be saved through him. We condemn ourselves by our own sins. God sent his son to rescue us from our condemnation. God sent his son to save us from our sins and from the consequences of those sins, eternal death and separation from God. Knowing full well the price that was to be paid, God sent his son into this world out of love for us. That is real love. In an article for Christian Standard Magazine entitled, Carols of Any Season uh, of Suffering, Matt Proctor reflects on the incarnation. He writes, My five-year-old Carl and my three-year-old Conrad love it when I dress like them. After they put on jeans and a blue t-shirt, they'll come and ask me to wear jeans and a blue t-shirt. When I do, they have a saying. They will survey me and survey themselves and say, Look, Dad, 
Same, same. For my birthday, Carl bought me a North Carolina blue mesh shirt because he has a North Carolina blue mesh shirt. So we could be same, same. When I play living room football with my boys, Conrad will not let me play standing. So big and scary and towering over him. The theological term for this is completely other. Instead, he insists on me getting on my knees. Where I'm down at eye level, Conrad puts his hand on my shoulders. There, Dad, see? Same, same. They like it when I enter into their world. This summer, I scraped my leg on working on my house. When Conrad fell down and scraped his leg, he pointed at my scab. Then he showed me his scab and said, hey, Dad, same, same. Well, see, here's the point. God himself has felt what we feel. In the incarnation, he chose not to stay completely other. He got down at eye level. And in the incarnation, God experienced what it's like to be tired and to be discouraged. He knows what it's like to be hurt and to be bleed and to be rejected. On the cross, Jesus himself prayed a psalm of lament. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In your pain, you might be tempted to say, God, you have no idea what's going on. You don't have any idea how I'm hurting. But God can respond to us and say, yes, I do. He can point to your wounds and say to you, look, same, same. Me too. I've entered your world. I know how you feel. I've been there. I am with you now and I care for you. I can help you. I love you. Jesus showed us real love through his amazing incarnation, through coming to this earth and coming alongside of us. Same, same. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being found in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Folks, that is real love. That is real love. Next, Jesus showed us real love by his exemplary life. No one who has ever walked planet Earth has loved so completely. No one who has ever walked planet Earth has been more accepting, more patient, or more kind. Jesus' life is literally a love story. An account of love to help us understand what it means to love. To love God and to love our neighbor. Because Jesus loved with real love, he, he was in his love a powerful commitment of action for another. He didn't love only when he had feelings of affection. He didn't love expecting anything in return. He didn't love just to make the other person feel better. No, he loved with real love. In his love, we often find him challenging the other person. He wanted them to be more than accepted. He wanted them to get healing, to think better, and to get a right relationship with the Father. We all know the story of the woman at the well there in John chapter 4. Jesus comes to this well in Samaria, where Jacob had dug this well from the Old Testament. It's noon, and he's tired, and he's hungry. So he sends the disciples into town. To get some food. An outcast, Samaritan woman, arrives at the well. 
He breaks all the taboos of his day and he talks to her. He interacts with her as the special creation of God that she is. Jews would never talk to those half-breed Samaritans, and especially the women, especially outcast Samaritan women. But Jesus did. He not only talked with her, but he lovingly welcomed her and he accepted her. He even disclosed his Messiahship to her. But in his love, he didn't just want to be kind and accepting. He wanted to give her more than that. He wanted to purposely interact with her. He wanted to show her real love. So he doesn't avoid the hard issues of her life. He doesn't ignore the brokenness of her life. But instead, he brings it up so that he can bring her healing, so that he can bring her hope and salvation and encouragement. Jesus truly loved her. You see, Jesus, by accepting and interacting and loving this woman, wasn't at the same time agreeing with her lifestyle. See, loving someone and agreeing with everything they believe or do is not equal. They are not the same thing. You can be loving and disagree. As a matter of fact, the only way Jesus could have shown his real love to her was to disagree with her life choices and disclose to her the way of hope and encouragement and salvation. In John chapter 8, the scribes and the Pharisees bring a woman who was caught in adultery. Why don't they bring the man as well? He was just as much involved in his sin as she was. It shows their hypocritical hearts and their evil intentions. They didn't bring this woman because they were offended by her sin. Not by any means. They brought this woman to Jesus to test him. They wanted to see if Jesus would condemn this woman. We know what happened. We know the story. He cut through their pretense and their hypocrisy, and he said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And they all left. Not a one of them threw a stone. For they knew each one of them deserved their own punishment for the sins that they had done. But Jesus said to the woman, Neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. Literally, her life was hanging on Jesus' response to the Pharisees. He didn't condemn her. He accepted her. He loved her. He protected her. He offered her hope. But he was also honest with her. He truly cared for her. To protect her and then let her go in her own way without a word of encouragement to take this God-given opportunity to change her life would not have been real love. You see, real love purposely acts for the good of the other person. Each one of us in here that has raised children, we know what real love is. We accept our children unconditionally. We love our children unconditionally. They have to do nothing to earn our love. We give it freely and abundantly. But that doesn't mean we don't correct them. No, that means that we do say no to them when they... And they don't get the things that they want. That means that we discipline them for their own goods. Why? Because our love for them is real love. If a child starts to open the silverware drawer and take out knives to play with, we stop them. We teach them that stuff in that drawer is not something that can be played with. We love them enough to teach them and to protect them. If our child starts hanging around a hot stove, we warn them not to touch it. We're not afraid of offending them. We're not afraid of somehow stunting their self-image. No, we sternly warn our children of the potential harm that could come their way. Why? 
because our love for them is real love. Any parent who would let their children play with knives and not warn them about a hot stove would be thought of as a really, really bad parent. No one does that because we love them. We accept them. We're kind to them. But we disagree with them. They want to play with stuff that can hurt them. And we don't want them to. We aren't rejecting them, but instead we're really loving them by disagreeing with their choice and teaching them what is the best way. Jesus loved that way throughout his time on earth. The way that we love our children, our our parents, our close friends, because that is real love. But so many people want Jesus, but they don't want his real love. They just want his acceptance. They just want his kindness. They just want him to agree with their choices. In fact, they want Jesus' love to be molded to whatever they want. Whatever they want is what Jesus wants for them, because after all, Jesus loves me. They make Jesus' love into a glob of mashed potatoes. You can make it into any shape you want it. It's not real. It's not honest. It's not seeking your best. No child wants mashed potato love from their parents. They want real love. No true follower of Christ wants mashed potato love from Jesus. They want real love. I want Jesus to accept me. I want Jesus to be kind to me. I want him to shower his grace and his mercy and his acceptance of me. And I want Jesus to do whatever he has to do in my life that is for my good. Not just what I think I want for my good. Not just what I want, but what he thinks is good. What he thinks, what he wants. I want him to really love me. To say the hard things to me. To uncover areas that I am hiding from him. To engage in the brokenness of my life. Don't you? Don't you want Jesus to really love you? To love you so much that he would challenge your thoughts and attitudes to help you grow? To love you so much that he would stir with his Holy Spirit inside of you, bringing you hope in your pain, bringing you healing in your sorrow, bringing you forgiveness for your sins? Don't you want real love? Or do you just want an order of mashed potatoes? John 13:1 says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come to him to leave this world and to go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He now showed them the full extent of his love. Isn't that what we want Jesus to do for us? Don't we want Jesus to show us the full extent of his love? Because experiencing the real love of Jesus will change us and it will help us to be able to share real love with others. When next Jesus showed us his real love by his substitutionary death, the most ultimate way that Jesus showed his real love to his disciples, the most ultimate way that Jesus shows his real love to us, the most ultimate way that Jesus showed his real love to the whole world was through his sacrificial substitutionary death on the cross for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. Jesus said in John 15:12-14, he says, "This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus himself said that no greater act of love 
there is than laying down your life for one another. Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his love for us in this. God showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus predicts his coming crucifixion and resurrection. He knows exactly why he came and what was going to happen. Listen to this. This is his third prediction of his death and resurrection from Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19. It says, And Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. He took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Jesus knows exactly what is going to happen, and he never wavers. He never flinches. He continually marches on doing God's perfect and complete will every step of the way. He knows what real love will require of him, and he undauntingly makes a straight path to the cross to lay down his life. Now listen to these most powerful and intimate words from Jesus in John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. What beautiful words. I know my own. And my own know me. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to lift it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus is directing the action. No one is taking his life. No one can take the life of the Son of God. He willingly gave his life and he powerfully took it back up again in his resurrection. In verse 17, Jesus says that it is through the Father's love that he lays down his life. And takes it back up again. It's through the Father's love. Jesus loved us so much that he would willingly lay down his life for us. The Father loved Jesus so much that he would willingly allow Jesus, even plan for Jesus to lay down his life for us. You see, real love is honed in a crucible of suffering. Real love is manifested when the choice of the good for the other requires a sacrifice. For ourselves. Our sermon in the sentence for today is from 1 John 4.10. It says, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Oh, folks, on this Resurrection Sunday, it is my privilege to proclaim to you that you are loved. You are loved. There is no better day to proclaim This love, then on this day, this day that we celebrate what Jesus did on the cross on Friday and rising again, securing all victory for us on Sunday, he says, you are loved with a real love. You are loved with an eternal love, with a giving, sacrificial and powerful love. You are loved by your creator, by your sustainer, by your hope giving, faith providing, strength offering, one and only God. 
The Father says, I love you. You are my special creation. I sent my Son as a sacrifice to take away your sins. I gave my very best for you so that you could become part of my family. The Son says, I love you. I have left heaven to be born as a human for you, to be your servant. I lived a sinless life, yet a life full of real challenges and trials and hardships and discouragement. I love you. I did that for you. I love you. I willingly chose the cross. I willingly chose to become sin for you, taking your sin, taking the just penalty of your sin to offer you eternal life and a relationship with my Father. I love you. I love you. I'm alive. I rose again. I conquered death. I conquered Satan and hell. And I did that for you. Why? Because I love you. Folks, that is real love. He didn't love us so much that we could just wander helplessly and hopelessly in selfishness. He didn't love us so much that we could just say, Oh, God loves me and I can go on living my life however I want to. No, he loved us so much that he could give us life. That he would help us to know purpose and meaning and joy. That he could give us substantive peace and direction. He loved us so much so that we could know him and life and love. Do you know real love? Do you know the real love of Jesus for you? Do you know what he did for you? Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Is it the central truth of your life? Is the real love of Jesus the anchor of your soul? Well, lastly, we see that Jesus showed his love through his powerful resurrection. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, that if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. You know, we have this saying, the proof is in the pudding. It's a very odd saying. It's an old English saying. goes back all the way for the, to the 14th century. Basically, what it means is that you can talk all that you want to talk. But if there are no actions to follow, then it was just all talk. Paul says that it's the fact of the resurrection that validates all that Jesus said and did. No resurrection. No faith, no hope, no love. Yes, resurrection. Yes to everything that Jesus taught and did. That's why an honest person who's, who wants to seek after Christ and is, wants to investigate the claims of Christ will start with investigating the resurrection. Because if the resurrection is true, then Jesus and all that he said and all that he done is true. Well, we stand here today, together, to proclaim to each other and to proclaim to our community, to proclaim to our world that the resurrection is true and it has made all the difference in our lives. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. According to the great mercy of God, we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope because we have a living Savior. You see, real love doesn't just talk. 
Real love does. Real love takes purposeful action for the better of the other. Well, folks, no one has ever, ever loved you like Jesus loved you, and that's a fact. That is real love. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, then today is your day to enter into his real love. Today is your day to pledge your life to following Jesus, to accepting his sacrificial death, his powerful resurrection, as the fundamental truth of your life. If you're a believer here today, listen to these words from John chapter 15, verses 7, verses 9 through 11. Listen to these words as Jesus speaking them directly into your heart. Jesus is saying to you this morning, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we have gathered together this morning to examine this topic of love, real love. And we have seen from your word, from your powerful, inerrant word, it has spoken to us, it has challenged us, it has met us where we are, the Holy Spirit has moved it and used it to show us that no one, no one has ever loved us the way that Jesus has loved us. He has given us so much. Lord, we ask that we would enter into his real love, that he would change us and mold us and so that we might abide in his love, so that we might be changed, we might, might come to know you more fully and more deeply. Lord, I pray for those that might be in this room right now that have never taken a hold of your real love, that have never grasped it, have never made it their own. Lord, this amazing love. Lord, may each one of us here this day leave this building so much so that it is a part of us, that it's the central fundamental truth of our lives, your love for us. In Jesus' name. Amen.